Well, I think it was Easy e that said it best when Ice Cube and Dr. Dre set the song out for him, Boys in the Hood. The very first verse, he's cruising down the street in his 6'4". None other brings out the image of this vehicle and what everybody remembers about it, but really makes you remember what the Impala was. It was a big car made for cruising around. Sure, it had the SS, but it was still a cruising car. People always look back and think of it as that big two-door convertible from the 1960s. And today, Autolux is going to take a look at us cruising down the street in our 6-4 as we take a look at the Impala. Autolux Podcast coming to you anytime, anywhere from around the globe on any major streaming site from Autolux.net. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main host website, Autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out. Podbeam.com for hosting us and getting us out onto all major streaming services that you can find us on, whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Amazon Music, or even Google Play. Podbeam.com got us there. And we'd like to give a special thanks out to Feedspot.com for the RSS feeds from around the globe. If you're looking for blogs and podcasts from around the globe, please check out Feedspot.com. So like I said in the intro, we are cruising on the street in R64 and not the Nintendo 64. Of course, that is a very funny meme if you've ever seen it, where somebody has actually placed Eze inside the cartridge slot of a 64, where he's cruising down the street in his 6.4. For a lot of us who grew up on video games, that's our definition of a 6.4. But when you come to the automotive world, a 6.4 reminds you of the Impala. The Impala has become a car synonymous with lowrider culture, but also of a big burly sedan. Unfortunately, at the end of its career, its two-door variations had but all disappeared, and it wasn't really until the early 2000s where the Monte Carlo was its last iteration of a two-door variation. So you can literally go cruising down the streets in your 6-4, because those Impalas were Monte Carlos. Starting its life off as a rear-wheel drive vehicle, built to replace the legendary Bel Air, originally came out as a sport model for the Chevrolet Bel Air. And if you don't remember the Bel Air, no, we're not talking about the Fresh Prince. We're talking about the Chevrolet Bel Air, the car that everybody wanted in the 50s. It was the 1950s, the Bel Air convertible. Well, they eventually wanted to create a more sporting model going into the late 50s. And for that, they gave it the Impala name. Originally available as a coupe and convertible, the sport model of the Bel Air from 1958 was the Impala. From 1959 to 1960, it had an inline-six V8 and a turbo V8 for the Impala. Now, this was great. It was the start of it becoming its own model, separate from the Bel Air, trying to make a name for itself. Chevrolet started to see that the Impala nameplate could be so much more than just a sub-brand of a pre-existing model. So in 1961, it set out on its own. The Impala became, yet again, an inline-six, a V8, and a turbo V8. Available in coupe, convertible, wagon, sedan, and even the sports sedan models. The most famous one the Eazy-E sang about, model years 1961 to 1964. The Impala was there. Added to this in 1961 was the Nomad model, a two-door wagon. In 62 to 64, the Impala. Yes, they were cruising down the street in their 6.4. And like we said, the inline 6 V8 and a turbo V8. Yes, Chevrolet was investing itself into the turbo models. Now, the preferred model from out of this generation, 61 to 64, was its last variation, the 64. became synonymous with lowrider culture thanks to the band NWA. 
There were slight changes for the style from each year to 61 to 64, as per the norm going back into the 60s. This is something that carried on all the way until the 70s, all the way up until we got into the 80s, where we started to notice that we only started making major changes when we did an entire mid-cycle refresh like today. Back then, they slightly changed the models every single year. December 17, 1960, General Motors announced the creation of the SS sub-brand. Yes, the Supersport model brand was coming out, and the first Impala to receive this was in 1961. It included an upgraded suspension and motor. An extra trim was added to this package. This wanted to go after the muscle car era. Now, if you remember, the muscle car era, as everybody thinks, was the Mustang. But no, it wasn't. The GTO originally started the muscle car era. The Mustang started the pony car era. Sure, muscle cars became really big after the introduction of the Mustang, but the GTO and the godfather of this muscle car, John Z. DeLorean, are the people behind the issuance of the muscle car era. So the SS sub-brand was Chevrolet saying muscle cars are big. Kids these days want power. They want fun. It's the 60s, for God's sakes. They want power. They don't want to go cruising the streets. Not yet, though. Hell, we have the wagon and sedan model. They can go cruising around. But when you add in the SS model package, which only lasted until 1969, the Impala became fun. A little bit more power and a better looking package made the SS better than the standard Impala. And sure, it didn't become synonymous with being part of the muscle car era in the 60s like so many others. The Impala SS was there and it was a fire breathing dragon for the muscle car era. From 65 to 70, the fourth generation of the Impala came out. In 65, they set an all-time industry annual sales record of 1 million units sold. So people were now buying into the Impala nameplate. Of course, that's because the Impala took over for where the Bel Air had left off. The Bel Air was one of the cars so synonymous with the 50s. When you think of 1955, the year my father was born, you think Chevrolet Bel Air. Or are you thinking 55 Corvette? Either way, it's Chevrolet. Hey, that rhymes. A new four-door luxury package known as the Caprice was introduced. Now, this may be kind of odd considering the fact that the Caprice is a vehicle that eventually kicked out the Impala nameplate from the Chevrolet stable. Although in the 90s, it was utilized to bring back the Impala nameplate for a short-lived term. We'll talk about more of that later. Now, yet again, Chevrolet introduced the inline six with the small and big block V8 engines, no more turbos. It became more of a performance model than a cruiser. Why do you think so many more people want to ride around in a 6 more Impala? Because 61 to 64 were more of the cruising styles. Whereas 65 and 70, the muscle car era was upon us and they wanted to really push the SS package. Hell, they had the big block V8 jammed underneath the hood of the Impalas. Well, for the size of the vehicles back then, we wouldn't say jammed underneath the hood. They were more like put underneath the hood. In 71, we saw the introduction of the fifth generation. Now, this is 71 to 76. This is near the end of the muscle car era and the beginning of the gas crisis. Now, at this time, only the sedan, wagon, and coupe. The convertible was no more. Whereas people in the 70s were starting to say, we want muscle cars. We don't want muscle convertibles. It's probably the reason why you find Dodge Challenger convertibles from 1971 to be worth more than their coupe models. Convertibles were not in, especially not for the Impala. The Impala was a big car. Remember, the Impala was the top tier for size in the Chevrolet nameplate. During this period, the Impala was still a leading sales product for the Chevrolet line. And with that, from 71 to 76, Chevrolet built the largest sedan Chevrolet ever produced as the Impala. Yes, the largest sedan Chevrolet ever produced was an Impala from the fifth generation. 
Top of the line of the Impala nameplate was the Caprice models. Now, these were very similar to Cadillac products, which is kind of odd because Chevrolet was the bottom tier, where Buick was the mid-tier. Gotta remember, if you listen back to our divisions of the Big 3 podcast, you'll understand where this goes from, where Chevrolet moves into Oldsmobile, which moves into Buick, which moves into Cadillac. Now, they don't got LaSalle anymore, but... Cadillac nameplate was the top tier, and the Caprice model was similar to that of the Eldorados. Over 1,973 Impalas were built with an air cushion restraint system, the ACRS, that used on an Oldsmobile instrument panel and unique steering wheel that contained both a driver and passenger airbag. This is 1973. We're talking about air cushion ride. Steering wheel airbags. Airbags. 1973. They didn't become standard until the 2000s. And General Motors, who developed it, but wanted to make money off of it was putting it in their vehicles. Now, if you want to talk about safety features of vehicles, we can listen to that on another podcast where you'll find out that the seatbelt Volvo invented, but they opened its patent for everyone because they felt safety wasn't worth money. Where General Motors and the airbags they put in the 73 Impalas and Cadillacs at the time and also wheels was worth money. Safety was worth money to GM. Just remember that. A limited edition Spirit of America edition was released on the fifth generation. And a Londu model available from 75 to 70 six models featured a Londu vinyl roof with a chrome band across the roof. Now, if you remember, the 70s were famous for the Londu models. Help, my very own 70 Mustang falls into that same category. It's not a chrome strip, it's black, but the Mustang Grande was more of the luxury version. Even though it had a potent 351 Cleveland jammed underneath the hood, it was the Londu model. Vine, half vinyl roofs. Hell, you can even find challengers with half vinyl roofs. Go back and watch the original Gone in 60 Seconds. First challenger they steal is a Londu. Vinyl roofs. Pain in the ass to fix. Kind of odd looking, but for some reason, in the 70s, they were big. This is something that didn't come back until fabric styles of the late 80s and early 90s. 1977, we saw the introduction of this sixth generation. Now, 77 is during the gas crisis. From 77 to 85, the Impala needed to move down slightly. Sure, it was still the big burly model on top tier, and people buying it weren't really concerned with gas mileage because they needed space for their families. But yet again, the coupe, sedan, and wagon platforms were back. They utilized the B-Body platform, which lasted from 70 to 1996 before getting shut down. Inclusive of the sixth generation was the V6, an inline six, small block V8, and Olds diesel V8. Yes, a diesel. Why was there an introduction of a diesel? Well, as we said before, this was the gas crisis era. People were trying to do everything they could to save on fuel. And diesels, everybody knew, gave you one, more torque, and two, better mileage compared to a gasoline engine. So, why not do that? People were starting to use sedans and wagons for towing trailers around in the 70s. At a diesel, you got the torque and now you're not losing your mileage. And then on the bottom end, your V6 and inline sixes. Hell, you gotta start somewhere. By 1985, the Impala nameplate started to fall off. Now, if everybody remembers, in the early 80s, you take a look at the Chevrolet Impala. Hell, if you go to our website, allux.net, and you look for this podcast about the Impala, look for, we got pictures of an 81 and an 83 Impala. Well, when you see them, you automatically think, oh, that's the Caprice of the 80s. No, they had a coupe version, and it was the Impala. The Impala still existed. Even though the Caprice was the mainstay for police vehicles coming out of the late 80s, the Impala was falling. 
Now the Caprice models were starting to sell well. And remember the Caprice model was the top tier of the Impala nameplate. But now that the gas crisis was over and people were still looking at big sedan with V8s, the Caprice was it. People willing to pay a little bit more money for luxury were willing to spend extra money on fuel. And by 1986, the Caprice soon took over for the Impala. Yeah, 86. We saw the fall of the Impala. Dating back to 1957 to 1985, the original Impala is still renowned as being one of those big burly models from Chevrolet. When you hear the name Impala in those years, you think big. You think two doors. You think cruising. Hell, sometimes you might even think of the SS. Now, the Caprice model had its own classic and Brom models. Now, the classic was taking over from the Impala nameplate, and the Brom was essentially becoming the Caprice of the Impala nameplate. So in a sense, the Caprice was taking over. This is an unfortunate thing because the Impala nameplate was big money for Chevrolet, similar to that of the Silverado and the Corvette. Now the Caprice soon changed in the early 90s to the next generation platform, dedicated platform. And with that, people started to notice. In 1992, Chevrolet took notice and released a concept of a new Impala. They thought, hey, we remember this name. People are starting to remember this. And we're starting to move back into bigger vehicles. We could create more fuel efficient big vehicles in the 90s than we ever could before. The gas crisis hit us hard in the late 70s. And we had to move into all these small econo boxes in the 80s. But now it's the 90s aerodynamics is starting to take over and we feel the impala nameplate can come back utilizing the platform from the 1991 caprice chevrolet's concept for the impala showed us that the impala wanted to come back as a super sport model yes remember 1965 when they moved away from their cruiser style and moved into the muscle car era of the impalas with a 5.7 liter V8 LT1 Corvette engine, slightly detuned because they didn't want to compete directly with it. From 94 to 96, the Impala SS graced us for a short amount of time. Built off of the Caprice platform, it contained a chromed bow tie. It utilized most of the police interceptor Caprice settings. This included a sport tuned suspension with reinforced shocks and springs, a high capacity reverse flow cooling system derived from the Corvette's LT1, four wheel disc brakes, because hell, we're starting to move away from drums in the 90s. Transmission cooler dual exhaust. And trust me, if you've ever heard one of these Impala SS's with an upgraded exhaust on it, oh, oh yeah, it's nice, even for a sedan. A higher output electrical system and other minor mechanical and electrical alterations to the Caprice platform to make the Impala SS. It received body color trim, something that Chevrolet hadn't done before, but Pontiac did. Remember the Grand Prix and the Bonnevilles from the late 80s and early 90s? And they had those stupid cheap plastic hubcaps that actually even matched the vehicle. Interesting, right? A unique single bar grille with no hood ornament, a rear deck spoiler, it was fitted with 17 inch brushed aluminum wheels with 25550 ZR17 all-season tires. Essentially, the Impala SS was the sport model of the Caprice, and the Caprice was the sibling to the Buick Roadmaster. Yeah, if you want to talk about great American cars in the 1990s, the Buick Roadmaster is one of them. And if you want to go back and see a video of it, go back and ch check out the first season of Top Gear America, where they do the All-American test. And Rutledge Wood takes a Buick Roadmaster. And the last one, they fill the thing full of water. 
Now the Malibu that they used survives the first round. The Fiero barely makes it, and the electricals kill it in the last one. But that Roadmaster, built off those Caprice platform? Huh. Those things could take abuse. You can see the reason why police use them as their police cars. And like we said, the Impala SS essentially was the Caprice Interceptor built for public use. It was a Corvette with four doors, really. In 1995, we saw the addition of color dark cherry metallic and dark gray green. Now, if you look back at the original one, it came in black. The dark gray green, you don't see a lot of them. The dark cherry metallic is the most recognizable color you'll ever find for the Impala SSs of this generation. In 96, a few of the models were shipped to the Middle East and sold as the Caprice SS. Of course, this was near the end of the Impala SS's lineup. Now, why were they selling it as a Caprice SS on the other side of the world? Well, the Middle East never got to see the original Impala, so the Impala nameplate wasn't big there. But the Caprice name was big over there. Not just with Chevrolet, but Holden-derived Commodores and Monaros as the Caprice platforms were also in the Middle East. So Caprice SS, essentially, is what the Impala was in the Middle East. But unfortunately, 96 was the end of the run for the Impala yet again. I remember a short two-year period, 94 to 96. It was the birthplace of the muscle sedan with products like the Mercury Marauder as the Crown Vic Interceptor built for public use and the Charger RT eventually going to grace us in the early 2000s. The muscle car sedan was here. Sure, it was big back in the 60s and 70s, but Chevrolet brought it back into the 90s. And the very first Motor Trend magazine I ever read was from one of my friends. The year before I got the magazine, where they were talking about the Impala SS. And how it was such an amazing performance sedan for the 90s. And it was. But unfortunately, people weren't buying them. And at that point in time, you gotta remember it's the 90s. People were still buying two-door models. They didn't want four-door performance cars. They wanted two-door performance cars. It's the 90s, for God's sakes. Four years later, the Lumina name was losing its touch. People remember the Lumina from the late 80s and, and throughout all the 90s, and the last generation of the Lumina being very bland and boring. Its only better variation was the Monte Carlo. And yes, by the 90s, the Monte Carlo was essentially just the coupe version of the Lumina, soon to become the coupe version of the Impala. In 2000, the 8th generation of the Impala graced us. And from 2000 to 2005, it brought back the Impala nameplate. Hell, they even brought back the Impala SS sedan. Wasn't as powerful as the one that they produced in the 90s, but it gave the illusion of power. Circular rear taillights, similar to that of a Nissan GTR, and hell, even the original Corvettes gave the Impala its own image and set it aside from the other sedans in the marketplace. Now, base models really didn't. The SS did. Available with only a 3.8 liter V6 and sedan only for the first four years, the Impala was back. But it was only taking over for where the Lumina left. Like we said, the SS showed up, but only in 2004. The SS-style rims were available from the start, those 5-point aluminums, but then they became the standard product on all SS models from 2004. The Impala became one of the first front-wheel drive police cars on the market. Where the police were still utilizing the Crown Vicks and now Chargers, Chevrolet had the Impalas. Hell, they had pushed the Luminas in their front-wheel drive before, but with not much fanfare. New York City! If you've ever watched the show NYPD Blue, you will see the original 8th generation Impalas being utilized as police package products. In 2006, the 9th generation of the Impala finally brought us something a little bit, uh, I would say a little bit more different. 
The ninth generation Impala was more of a rounded off product, very similar to that of the last generation of Lumina. Essentially, the Impala was just a Lumina in disguise. Where the Caprice took over for the Impala, the Impala took a step back and took over for the Lumina. Because you gotta remember, the Lumina was a step down from the Caprice in the 90s. Available again only as sedan only, beginning its career with the V6. Eventually, an LS4 V8 became available in the top tier SS product. With four trim levels and the SS being the top tier, the brand new Impala was starting to seem a little better. But really, when you take a look at the SS, the only thing that sets the ninth generation Impala apart from its standard sibling are the five-point cast wheels. Oh, and the deck spoiler. Take off the SS badging and everyone would believe it's just a standardized Impala. Not really cool. And it's rounded, bubble-like appearance. Too reminiscent of the 90s. For God's sakes, this is 2006. Add some hard edges to it. The Cadillacs are going that way. <sighs> 2007 saw the first flex fuel 3.5 liter V6 with an active fuel management system. By 2008, we saw the 50th anniversary of the Impala. Unfortunately, you can't say it's a 50th anniversary if the vehicle wasn't built for all 50 years. I went through the same thing when they tried to tell us that it was the 50th anniversary of the Camaro in 2019. Like, come on, it hasn't been 50 years. Do you not remember that early period of the early 2000s when Camaro disappeared from the marketplace? How Dodge has even said that with the Challenger. Oh, we've been, you know, over 40 years since the Challenger came out. Fuck you. I'm sorry. The 50th anniversary in 2008 from the Impala is not the 50th anniversary. I'm sorry. But when your vehicle dies and you quit producing it, that's it. That's the end of the line. If you bring it back, it's just added on to the previous years. It doesn't mean that it still exists. They disappeared from 85 to 94. Nine years. You gotta take that nine years right off of them, buddy. An NC1 and NC3 police package based off of the LS model of the Impala was now available. And as we all know, by 2008, generation that I'm part of, up to, you know, 83, we grew up with front-wheel drive vehicles. And, well, that's, that's kind of what we were moving into, because we were moving into the workplace. We didn't know how to drive rear-wheel drive. Not to say we were wussies, but we didn't grow up with that. So looking at the Impala LS as a police package, hell, we'll drive it. It's not much different than what we have. 2013, the 10th and final generation of the Impala entered the marketplace. Only available as a sedan, as per all the generations since the 90s, and available with only an inline 4 and V6, the SS was gone. Three trim levels, the LS, the LT, and the LTZ, which is essentially similar to that of what they had as the Caprices a long time ago. This became the last generation of the Impala, only due to the fact that sedans were dwindling on the North American marketplace. And just before this model was released in 2012, General Motors decided to bring their Holden-inspired Caprice to the North American marketplace, selling it as both the Pontiac G8 and Police Package Caprice SS. Too bad it was more in line with what the original Impala should have been, not the new generation we had. If you read back, we originally rated this thing when it first came out back in 2014, and I literally said, this looks like the offspring of a Transformer. It's hard edges mixed with smooth lines, the Impala. For 2014 to 2020, it was a beautiful car. It brought back some of that big image from the original Impalas. And with a slight mid-cycle refresh in 2018, the Impala tried to better itself. 
Although the market was moving away from sedans, General Motors knew this. It's similar to that of Ford. They decided to cut their ties with four-door offerings. And on February 27, 2020, the last Chevrolet Impala rolled off the Hamtrak production line. Announced two years earlier in 2018, this was the curtain call for the Impala. With Chevrolet having no desire to get back into the sedan ring, the Impala nameplate may be gone. But with their, uh, them bringing back old nameplates as new piece of crap vehicles like the Blazer, well, maybe we'll see the Impala on an active lifestyle vehicle in the future. But unfortunately, unless coupes and convertibles can really make a, their move back into the marketplace, we won't be rolling around in our 6.4 anymore. From 2007 to 2018, its sibling, the Monte Carlo, raced the NASCAR. Unlike the competition at Dodge and Ford and even Toyota, General Motors is the only company from this era who actually utilized a two-door production vehicle. Though the Monte Carlo was phased out in 2018, it was replaced by the Camaro, and the Impala will soon fade away into the automotive market of the abyss. The Impala SS has not graced us since the return of the Impala sedan from 2000 to 2005. Nothing similar to that. Sure, it had the big V8 for the ninth generation, which lasted until 2013, but since then, there has been no true Impala SS. And ever since the early 80s, there's been no coupe. In the mid-70s, no convertible. Easy e was cruising on the road in his 6.4. And hell, if it gets all banged up, he'll throw it in the gutter and go buy another. There are a lot of them out there, and there's a lot of them so synonymous with the lowrider culture. Hell, even the original generation from 1958, you'll find lowrider versions of them. The original Impalas from the late 50s all the way up to the early 70s are lowrider culture vehicles. The SS from the mid-90s and early 2000s are the performance sedans, but the wagons have been lost to history. The Impala was an amazing and great product for Chevrolet. It moved them away from their 1950s bubblegum era and into the 60s of muscle cars, helping them create the caprice of the 90s. And then moving back into the standard sedan platform in the early 2000s, the Impala lived a graceful life. Not living a full life with periods of non-existence, the Impala name and yet its logo are still remembered in the automotive world. Should General Motors bring back the Impala in the future? If they are looking to go up against the Model S with an electric sedan for the Chevrolet product lineup, I would say your first choice would be the Impala. Because the Impala nameplate is versatile. When you think of the Bel Air, you think of a coupe or hell, even the convertible models. But when you think of the Impala, you can see a coupe, convertible, sedan, or even wagon model being part of it. And even the luxury Caprice. It's a nameplate Chevrolet should look into with the resurgence of the sedan marketplace and the electric future that is upon us. If you'd like to tell us your stories about the Chevrolet Impala, about owning them, or even share pictures, send us an email or follow us on any of the social feeds. Help put a comment in. By putting a comment in, you're helping the show grow and create better content similar to this for the future. So please like, share, or comment on this podcast if you liked it. Do you believe that Chevrolet should bring back the Impala nameplate? Well, that's what the comments at the bottom are for. So, like, share, comment, follow the Autolux podcast. So, all around, should Chevrolet bring it back? Yes. Was it a worthwhile car? Yes. Does it have great models? Yes. The Impala nameplate will always be remembered. And it's something we look forward to in a possible future. So after you've liked, comment, or even shared this podcast, please go stop by the website, autolux.net, and take a look around. Check out some of the Corporate Links websites and find some help out. Hell, we can even find you companies that can get you aftermarket parts and hell, even 3D printed parts to help you rebuild your 6.4. 
So for myself, Everett J, the Autolux Podcast, Autolux.net, and Podbean.com, strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride as we cruise down the street. 